Episode 5. Something in your eye? Anin. That means hello, or I see your light. I'm Gabi the Lamanite, an Ojibwe Latter-day Saint Christian. Join me by my fire. This is a place to learn spiritual truth and wisdom, and gain a heightened perspective on today's world issues. Hello, friend. How, oh my gosh, there's a dog barking. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to keep that. So far in my podcasts, I've really tried to keep everything very refined. So when there are noises outside, I'll re-record something or when I mess up a line. I, I want to gather my thoughts and deliver everything to be very clear. I want to select my words carefully. But I think as I get more comfortable with podcasting, I think I want my personality to come out a little bit and um, I want to ad-lib ideas a little bit more. We'll get there. It'll take some time to establish my style and my strategy, but thank you for bearing with me, for listening, for spending time with me. Now, last time we spoke about nihilism, the philosophical perspective that nothing matters, and how wrong that is, and how in reality, everything matters. Today, I want to call attention to the fact that you and I have something in our eye. And we may not know it. Let me tell you a story. Okay, this is a true experience from my life. One summer, when I was 13 years old, my brother and I attended a week-long youth camp that was put on by the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army, if you don't know, they're a Christian organization. Uh, They do a lot of humanitarian work and ministry. And this camp was in the Colorado mountains. Very beautiful. Every day we learned musical instruments, played sports, participated in worship services. Now, I know that this is not uncommon. I know that young, developing minds can be brutal. But man, sometimes I was just plain mean. Despite being taught to be kind all of my life, I was an undercover bully. As the week went on, In this camp, my brother and I made fun of people, just relentlessly. Now, we weren't directly rude to people as far as I can remember, but between ourselves, we'd snicker and make fun of people's hair or their weight, or make comments about kids in our cabin that we thought were rude and annoying, balancing out our irritation by belittling them, just constantly judging people looking down on them. And all the while, in my own mind, I thought I was pretty advanced. Because by that time, I had some pretty serious spiritual experiences in my childhood. And I felt like I was pretty comfortable in my relationship with God. I read my scriptures and prayed every day. So naturally, out of all of my peers in this Christian camp, I was the best and the brightest. Well, then, the second-to-last day came around. 
That evening, there was a special worship service. One of the camp leaders, he got up onto the stage and gave a very powerful sermon. He walked around with a bunch of duffel bags and backpacks just hanging off of his arms and his shoulders. And it was obviously a struggle for him to walk to get around. And his sermon was, God is calling you, but you have all of these sins, these heavy burdens, these hurts and these pains. God is calling you and he wants you to give those things to him. He wants to take those things away from you. And he began to remove the bags one by one. I felt like my heart got squeezed in a tight fist. I looked around me. And all around were these people. Children of God. Who I had in my heart belittled and judged and looked down upon. And there they were. These kids. Bowing their heads. Weeping. Internally pleading for forgiveness. For help. Connecting with this sermon. With God's call to them. To repent. To be freed. In my head I was just like, God, what have I done? How could I have been so unkind? The room seemed to be filled with fire I couldn't see, and my tears wouldn't stop. As Protestant Christians sometimes do, the leaders called everyone to the front of the room, to this altar, and whoever wanted to be saved, whoever wanted to invite Jesus into their lives as their personal Savior, could come up. I went up and kneeled side by side with these young people. And in that moment, we were all the same. These kids were my brothers and sisters, and we were all hurting in some way. The man who was speaking led us in prayer, and we repeated after him. The Spirit of God was there, testifying of the reality of Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest with you, since then, I can barely count on one hand times that I've felt the Spirit that strong in a group setting. After the service, every group and their camp counselor was dismissed and sent back to their individual cabins. And we all got some time to reflect with each other, to be vulnerable and share what was on our heart. The emotions still ran very high with everyone on the walk back. And so the big group of boys that included my brother and me sat around in that cabin and we shared. And the kid with the weird hairstyle talked about his abusive dad. And the rude, annoying kid cried about him and his brother not having food and their mom not coming home some nights. The kid with the weird pants and high voice talked about how people always made fun of him 
and that he had thought about suicide. I just sobbed while I heard their stories. Talk about twisting a knife. When it was my turn, I shared what I was feeling. I was a bit shaken up because that night, I got a glimpse at how much of a sinner I was and how desperately I needed saving. How desperately I needed grace. I admitted how judgmental I had been that week. I apologized. And again, tears just continuously streaming down my face. From that time forward, I was changed. I wasn't perfect, but I made it my quest to see other human beings as, well, human beings. A brother or a sister with an identity, a childhood, dreams. That's still my quest. Not only to see humans as humans, but to treat humans like humans. Truly seeing means seeing things as they are. Truly seeing means seeing people as they really are. Self-righteousness is dangerous. Self-righteousness is bad no matter where it is found. But in the Church of Jesus Christ, it's like the zombie apocalypse. If you look at the world from a position of moral superiority, you can be spiritually dead and not even know it. At that point, you're just walking around feeling fine, but you're a shell of a human. How about we talk about this from a philosophical and scientific perspective? Self-righteousness and rash judgment against another person is natural. Let's get that straight. Over the course of life, all of us create our own moral matrix. And by matrix, I mean an environment or a structured world. Everyone has a moral matrix. Now, some people have a more structured matrix and some more abstract and shapeable, but everyone has one. And whether we are aware of it or not, we're always mentally defending it and enforcing it. Once we feel like we've determined what is normal and abnormal, moral and immoral, we start to hold everyone else to those determinations. This is natural. And it begins with the tendency to notice and even attack or defend against things that are unfamiliar or go against our code. This tendency is a rooted trait in every living thing. Observe any animal or bug or even plant. When it meets something with any of its senses that it does not recognize or is instinctually programmed to avoid or kill, it will in one way or another acknowledge it, and then it will react. Whether that's fleeing from a predator, or avoiding plant matter that's inedible. Or when a bird notices that one of its hatchlings in the nest is unhealthy and gets rid of it. 
It can be undesirable soil or sun conditions. Biological organisms will notice and respond to things that are unfamiliar or go against their quote-unquote code for living. Our own immune systems actually act in a similar way. The immune system includes two branches. The innate system, which that acts as a general defense against all the common pathogens and things that are just obviously dangerous. And the adaptive system, which targets specific threats that it has learned about. Anything that enters the body is essentially examined by the immune system and is either accepted if it's good or rejected if it is bad. Learning about human behavior is pretty simple when you get down to it. It's all simple science. All truth is one great whole. There are parallels in all things. And if you want to learn about something, look at its parallel somewhere else. Let's talk about antivirus software for computers. No, I'm not sponsored by Norton, and this isn't an ad. I just want to give one more example before I tie it all back. Antivirus software is like an artificial immune system. It searches your computer and compares sets of code with information that is already stored in its database. If the antivirus software comes across code that is marked in its database as malware, malicious software, or bad software, it's quarantined or removed. Let's immediately tie back to the human tendency to judge. What is happening is humans actively compare the world around them with their database or moral matrix. And when they perceive something that is unfamiliar or something that their moral database has defined as bad, the human isolates that and responds to it unfavorably. That's the natural way. But remember, we don't want to be natural. We want to be powerful. And in order to become truly powerful, we shed or adapt those natural tendencies to make room for a better way of thinking and seeing. Jesus once said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3-5, through Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? How wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Let's break this up into two parts. The first part, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. See, the problem with self-righteousness is that one takes their spiritual immune system, their personal antivirus software, and then they apply it to another person. And this while leaving their selves largely unchecked. This is the great plague to human character, especially amongst religious people. Devout religious people tend to have a much bigger and more specific moral matrix to compare things to than non-religious people. 
Lots of solid standards and commandments to observe. They attend church. They read their scriptures. They pray. They wear garments. They listen to wholesome music. They restrict their diet. They establish a particular order in their homes to preserve harmony. And with all this structure, they feel safe. They feel in line. Even if authentic love and personal revelation and humility and spirit is all lacking. They may not be perfect at all of the saintly behaviors, but they definitely see themselves as one who tries and succeeds most of the time. They let down their guard and then proceed to apply their energy to scanning those around them. This can happen to any of us. It happened to me. Now I've admitted my own terrible and condescending behavior that to this day I'm continuing to address. However, I will say also that I have been on the other side of this issue. I have felt judged. In fact, I've felt like a black sheep my whole life. Rarely did I ever feel that I really belonged as a member of the church growing up, socially speaking. The irony is, I was always bearing my testimony at the podium and performing with great effort in my callings. I got my Eagle Scout and won Book of Mormon reading challenges. I attended the temple and did family history work. I answered questions in seminary. I've acted in church videos since I was like 13. And yet people questioned my worthiness. They told me I should cut my hair to look more quote-unquote clean. My attempts to make a friendship were often declined in favor of people that were perceived to be more exemplary and normal Latter-day Saints. This is stuff I've experienced. In my next episode, next week, I'll actually be talking in much more depth about my experience as a black sheep in the Church of Jesus Christ, and how black sheep can actually be very powerful advocates for the truth. So don't miss it. But the point is, especially if you are a follower of Christ, and I find this often with multi-generational families that are practicing in the religion, it is so, so easy to have a false sense of security in your religious observations and to look down upon people and families like mine who are trying as hard as you and are on the same path, but who manifest different struggles. So upon being told, cast the beam out of your own eye, how do we do that? Well, go to the great optometrist himself. You don't even have to call him because he's already calling you. Mark chapter 2 verse 17 
Quote, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. End quote. Jesus Christ is there primarily to fix things that are wrong. So in the time that you spend with God, use it as a time to diagnose your spiritual wounds and deficiencies. If done honestly and intentionally, you will discover many things that Jesus wants to heal and align. You will discover them every day for the rest of your life. When you cast one beam, another will take its place. Well, Gavi the Lamanite, then what's the point if I never really remove the beam? Well, I'll tell you. By recognizing your flaws while respecting God's role as the one who refines those flaws, you see yourself as what you truly are. Flawed. By seeing yourself as flawed, you will then see other flawed people as your equals. You will no longer place anyone below you on the scale of righteousness. And then shalt thou see clearly. That's the second part of Jesus' statement. Consider the beam, cast off the beam, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. Then you will have the spiritual awareness to understand and minister to those who need you. That is the way. And it is paradoxical, like the gospel sometimes is. By focusing on your own sins, you will see how to alleviate suffering and spiritual darkness in others. It's kind of similar to how Serving others with compassion will inevitably heal your own spirit. Learn about these gospel paradoxes. In Mark chapter 10 is told the very well-known story of the rich young man that approaches Jesus. Verse 18, quote, And when the Lord was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. There is one that is good, and that is God. So, if you want to be good, then you have to be perfectly one with God. And we're not there yet. Remember that. There is no sense in self-identifying as righteous. We're not. Jesus himself denied the title of good and pointed to the goodness of God. Upon whom, by the way, at that point, 
he was still entirely dependent. So, in your attitude, in your talk, in how you look at people, in how you talk to people, no matter how spiritually advanced you think you are, be approachable, show love, even to the person you think is self-righteous and judgmental. Still, maintain your focus on your own spiritual journey and let them work out their own way. And with that, our time is about up. Thank you so much for taking this time to spend with me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you haven't already, go follow my Facebook page, Gavi the Lamanite, and follow me on Instagram, at GaviWise. There on those platforms, you can message me directly and leave feedback or ask questions. You can even message me if you just need someone to talk to, or if you have someone that you'd like me to pray for. A quick moment of prayer is coming after the closing music, so please, as always, feel welcome to join me. Until next time, and as my people the Ojibwe say, Giga Wabaman. Thank you for joining me in this moment and space of prayer. I want to thank one of my good friends and podcast listener, Jason, for sending me a prayer request. Our Father, we thank Thee for the opportunities to share with our human family, wherever they are. Father, we ask Thee to keep them safe, to protect them from evil. Please heal them and strengthen our friends and our brothers and sisters and their exercise of faith and hope. Father, Thou hast called all of us to change, to change from a natural and wild condition to one of peace and order and joy. Father, help us embrace change. Help us connect to thy Son, Jesus Christ, and to thy Word. I ask, in particular, to please bless the person listening to this. Help them in their struggle. Help them understand where to direct their course. That they may find what they're looking for. These things I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.